Hey gang, how are you doing? Hope you're all well out there. Man, I'm excited for today. This is going to be a good one. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to be uh, hanging out with my buddy, my pal, Mr. René de la Muerte, the lead singer and brainchild of the brain, Psycho Billy's finest. Uh, man, we've toured together. We've done probably 35 or 40 shows together, hung out in all kinds of different uh, weird places and, uh, you know, basically raised hell all over together. And, uh, you know, he's a busy, busy man and doing all kinds of stuff. So I can't wait to you know, kind of get at his brain a little bit. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do this. It's uh, exciting. And, um, yeah, don't forget to hit subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. It really actually helps me out a lot. So if you can, please do that. And uh, there's a uh, PayPal link underneath for tips for the uh, Be a Producer program. Uh, any tip, 25 cents, 50 cents, a dollar, five bucks, whatever it is, it makes you the producer of the next episode. You know, direct uh, support in the community style. So, yeah, we're going to do this. All right, let's get it on. My brother on the other side of the fucking country. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. I think, uh, what was it, last year? A year and a half ago? When yeah, was like it? at Tur Turbo House. Yeah, I think so. Was it? Yeah, we know, were downstairs partying. Too. Oh, that's, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. fuck we get around eh? <laughs> yeah we always like meet up in, in fancy places or like weird places around the world <laughs> yeah let's Dude. stick to weird places <laughs> exactly where are you uh, right so now i'm in vancouver uh i'm in uh yeah downtown i live in a building pretty cool nice nice yeah man yeah temperature is nice here right now yesterday was trying to snow but it didn't it didn't well that's just... it you guys don't get much snow at all out there no <laughs> no, I tried really hard. You could feel the the air trying to snow, and I was like, "Wow, I know about snow because you know, like I've lived in Montreal for like a long time." <laughs> well, that's it. That's where we first met. You know, is in Montreal. Yeah. I remember because in, at that point you were uh, playing with uh, Delta Six Six Six. That's right. Oh shit! That was like ninety eight, I think. Was it ninety eight? Yeah, right. Ninety seven. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, 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 it's true. It was like I was practicing at the um, Molson, um, what's it called? What's it called oh, nowadays? Yeah, uh, Cité de Mille. Cité de Mille is called nowadays. That's right. Yeah, we actually have a big loft there now. Oh, nice. I think I was <laughs> on the third floor, if I remember correctly. And I was like with uh, the band Delta 666 with James Prado. Uh, like, it was, it was awesome. And the, these guys were like, awesome they're twin george and james and lucas was there too um i think they have other bands right now like they still they still playing i think george was the bassist he plays guitar now with his brother in another band and i'm not sure if lucas plays music anymore i think he's doing a lot of um, uh, video film productions and stuff like that right right <laughs> i remember it hitting me how loud you guys were fuck that was a loud band and we were up down tuned too. Oh, okay, right, right. We were down tuned in order to get like more like loudness. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we needed to have the loudest amplifier. I was like, <laughs> and the fucking distortion. You know how difficult it is to, to have a 1963 Gretsch stock, okay? Uh, detuned with huge strings that don't fit at all on a fucking guitar that is not made at all for that and dude that that was a pain in the ass always tuning every like three fucking songs or every song almost sometimes like did you have more issues do you think with the tuning or the feedback <laughs> oh yeah and the feedback that was intense in those years i don't know how why it was so intense i just remember like trying to buy these devices like noise gates and trying to like tone down the thing but basically it was just that I was just overdriving the amplifiers, but it sounded so good, man. When it was like playing together, it's not like so loud that you cannot reproduce that by having an amplifier like, like low volume. You have to be loud. <laughs> Absolutely, but it's funny because I, I remember uh, we were at the cabaret in Montreal the first time I heard heard you guys play, and uh, man, it wasn't just like how loud, but it was like 
but for me, like I was still kind of new in Montreal at that point, you know what I mean? So everything was kind of new for me. I'm like, man, that's rock and roll. And even I love the band name Delta 666 as well. Like, I, yeah, just, I, I love that. The triangles. On I think I still have, wait, wait. yeah, this one. That's one oh, of the little shit. sticks that I had for the Delta 666 that I had. Yeah. Uh, but um, like, wait, where did you come from at that point? Well, see, I grew up in Vankley Kill, right, uh, between Montreal and uh, Ottawa. So it was really like small town country, but we had a recording studio there with a bunch of Jamaican friends and hippie friends oh. and stuff, and everybody played reggae and blues and stuff like that, you know? Wow, wow, wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's you funny. you ended up there in like 96, 97 or something like that? Well, exactly. And then I was just like, I, I was living right down on Saint-Laurent Pine, like right in the thick and, you know, thick of it all. But everything was new to me. So like, I was so small town, like we only had one traffic light, okay? And if you were cool, <laughs> you could hang out by the traffic light. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I yeah, think the when I thing... arrived to Canada, I arrived to, um, I arrived to Montreal. And then the next day, we, are, we went to uh, Hull, which was um, Gatineau. Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. Gatineau yeah. Hall beside Ottawa. Yeah, I remember that, too. And I remember then uh, getting back to Montreal and thinking that, oh, my God. Like, I was like, like maybe a year later after going to Ottawa, like, I was like, five to six years old and showing up back to Montreal, you know, um, and then realizing that this city was like so huge because I came from Chile, you know, I was like four years old when I left Chile. And I remember that. Uh, it's weird. Like as a kid, how you, your memories are, it's so weird. It, it looks like it's like black and white in my head. And then arriving here at four years old and going to Ottawa, living there for like a year, then coming back to Montreal, it was like a very shock, culture shock, uh, Intensive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Montreal is just a crazy fucking place for driving and drivers are just <laughs> the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I got it. It got it got it got worse. You know who who said that? Uh Colin, uh the basis of the brain, which you interviewed him a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember him when he showed up for the first time in uh in, in Montreal, like uh with his band and to re to try to, to do a tryout uh and do a couple of so uh, shows and he was bitching about like the traffic he was like oh my god this is crazy like it's just i'm like have you been to like new york and i said and then i remember i was at one time i went to peru i think and that was crazy all the cars were like all the taxis were different colors you never knew which taxi it was or the Traffic's lights, red, green, yellow, nobody cared. That was like, I was like, wow, you people are crazy here. <laughs> yeah, man. It's pretty. In Jamaica, it's the same thing, man. Like everybody's pretending to be a taxi driver and they're not at all. And they're yeah, just they're totally not. fucking like, fried. <laughs> what is going on, man? <laughs> you I fucking love ask, it. Yeah, you always have to ask first, like, okay, uh, how much for that? And then you end up getting, when you end up doing that a couple of times, you become more aggressive. You're like, I got this much. I need to go over there. You want to get the deal or not? And then, then they, they go like, oh, okay. But if you don't do that and you ask how much and all that, they always like charge you like a shitload. I'm so happy you say that because like, I'm always buying like used gear and shit. Right. And that's exactly how I do it. You know, no matter what price they have, I'm saying I always call them up and like, look, man, I got this. Do you want it or not? You know what I mean? Exactly. That's the way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, that's the hack into those things. That's You need to really go into that that angle. If not, they get you, man. And I mean, See, I, I, mean, I know I know where that, that, that uh, negotiation uh, culture comes from as well, right? I, so I on the street so. level, we learn this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You just learn how to fucking hustle like a lesson, right? But yeah, like 98, 97, I remember that. Those times were like pretty, pretty cool um well montreal was, was a different a, thing back then too yeah i think reverend norton heath was starting to show up the cramps were pretty big at those, those times i think like they were playing a lot over there too and like a lot of rockabilly's um rockabilly bands were coming out wasn't it like the time of brian setzer orchestra too i think so yeah yeah because straight cats were done and then he tried some solo stuff then he put the big band together and he played Montreal yeah. a bunch of times yeah, yeah yeah i think that's what the that's where it was wait let me, let me use uh some technology to see <laughs> yeah, a little but more I, accurate I, I think they played at the jazz fest like right downtown to like the biggest crowds ever you know those are oh spectacular yeah shows. Totally the, that that let me see 
The only other Montreal show that I could like say was as big or crazy or the energy of the night was probably James Brown for free on St. Catherine Street. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah that was the best show I ever saw. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. Seriously, like, man, we always had like great shows in Montreal. I don't know how anymore, but you know, like, because I well, think they... I left like Montreal, I left like four years ago, I think now. Yeah. And uh, last time I was over there, we played, which was a year and a half ago, but I was in the winter, so I couldn't really stay there to check out what's happening in the scene or anything like <laughs> that. Like that, fuck it, it's winter, man. <laughs> fuck it. You stay, you stay wherever you are, you don't go out, you freeze, you know. Yeah, man. So 30. you were born in Chile. Like for yeah. a lot of our viewers, like I, I know there's people that are probably, you know, don't really know where you're from, but see you're from somewhere else and always want to ask, but might be too shy. So was it your whole family moved to Montreal from Chile? Um. Yeah, can you pause two seconds? I'm getting a, a ring at the door. Somebody's delivering something. Uh, go you, for it. I can't really. I can't really pause. I'll, I'll edit after. <laughs> okay, give, give me a second. Sorry. I heard that some of you like ska music. If you fucking love ska music, make some goddamn noise. There we go. Sorry. Some Yemen. Yeah, Delivery, my deliveries. friend. Some deliveries. This is like this is the future. Like, can't go outside. Have, everything is closed down all the time. You just gotta. And like the delivery, you don't even open the door. You just wait till they leave. Like, <laughs> That's it. It's super futuristic, you know. Uh, so yeah, okay. You 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 were born in Chile and uh, you moved to Montreal. Was that with the whole family? Yeah, yeah. We come from like uh, like there was a war in the seventies over there. It started in seventy three. And uh, I was born over there. And then eventually um, something happened that we ended up uh, showing up in Canada as refugees. And then uh, I learned, I was, I mean, I knew Spanish. So we got here and I was like, what is this? Like, where are we? And like, I remember one thing um, for people that don't know in Quebec, in Quebec, we speak French, okay? So the rest of the Canada speaks English. Uh, so the province of Quebec has that. And um, the Quebecois has say a lot of things like, uh, instead of saying yes, they say why, you know, which is we, but with like a, uh, you know, like why, you know. <laughs> they say a lot of other stuff like Chris, which are, which are like, if you get onto that explanation, it's so weird because there are swear words about um, uh, how do you say that church words? Yeah, know, it's like, all relig re religious swearing versus English, which is sex swearing, right? That's exactly. The it's so weird. So, so they use that on top of that. But they say Wayne Wayne. And I remember like going to Ottawa, like I was saying previously, and uh, going to uh, in Hull, there's like a couple of like uh, parks with like water and there's some ducks. And the first time I saw ducks in my, in my life, I was like, what is this ducks? Like, and I kept hearing, you know, wang, wang, and I was like, wow, mom, they sound like those people that are talking here when they say wang, wang. I didn't understand that they were saying yes to other conversation as a kid, you know? You know, when you're a kid, you're holding your mom's hand like this while they're talking to other people, and then you have translators, and then they go wang, wang, je comprends, you know? And I was like, what the hell is this sound, you know? So I remember that, that's the first guy. Uh, connection of that sound to the ducks saying point, point, <laughs> to Wayne and then uh, weird things but uh, I learned that really fast uh, I, I mean like I was talking Spanish by the age of two years old so then by four by four and a half five I, I really knew French right away completely and then um, yeah I learned English uh, by watching Sesame Street I don't know if anybody that, does that even exist still Sesame Street's on TV yeah man that, that's when you know really? all, all the kids watching and all the adults are smoking splits and watching it with the yeah, kids and everybody's sure. laughing Every, yeah everybody's like yeah this is the best show ever <laughs> it is so cool for you when you watch it so so weird dude. yeah man that you when you realize when you're a kid <laughs> that's right when, when you were young like uh, you know still living with the family and stuff do you, do you come from a musical family um, I think uh, the rest of the families that is in Chile, my mom and my dad's side are a lot of like musicians over there, but on my uh, immediate family, uh, no, I'm the 
I'm the only one, basically. Yeah, it skips generations like, but, sometimes, right? Yeah, but like one thing is that a lot of music was played in my, in my home when I was a kid. A lot, a lot. And a lot of like Latin music, like from like merengue, salsa, tango, even. Tango is so old. Tango is like the equivalent of jazz music for, for Latin Americans. Like, it's like, it's the old jazz, you know, you... Yeah, you have that. But over there they have. Putting on the rich. It's the same thing. It's But yeah, you still listen to a lot of like music, everything. And I don't know. I got into a lot of like, in those years, you know, the machines that you used to, to, to play music was either a vinyl, a cassette was kind of newish, and the eight tracks were really popular when I was here, you know? Especially uh, in the car, right? Oh, uh, in the cars, like that thing. And, I, and you, as a kid, you always wanted to push the buttons because it just went like, <laughs> and like just started another song. You're like, this is amazing, you know? Like, you don't understand what it is, what it is productions in music, you know? You just like know that you have this plastic thing that you put into this thing and you push a button and then it goes and then a song plays and if you push the other button it just switches on you're like this is amazing you know you don't have to wait for the song if it sucks it's just you know and uh yeah so i got used to a lot of like those pushing buttons and then i got very curious about like opening uh cassette players when they were like i was finding in the garbage i'm like what is this and components and and then like uh volumes and I got really interested into understanding how you could transfer one, the music if I wanted to duplicate it. And that was a weird concept for me as a kid because like, you, I didn't get it really. I knew that if I had a machine that, that would record like when you have like, because you had those little portable cassettes before. Yeah. And like every dad had that some, some, somehow, you know? So and they would dictate shit on it like, okay, remember this. They were like huge like this. And so I remember that, that, and I was like, huh. And then one day listening to my dad recording something, the music was playing in the background. I'm like, what if he doesn't talk and I put this machine next to that song? So I started doing my own mixtapes by putting that machine into, in front of the songs that I liked that I had on vinyls. And I was like, what, seven years old? <laughs> and I was like, okay. That was my first touch of like understanding what it was to, to put something on tape and be able to push play and then it was your songs only. That's the start no of your career, name. man. That, that, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So <laughs> and look at you now, because like one of the things I really wanted to talk to you uh, today, because like we've worked together, you mastered the Scamones album, our, our second yeah. album. Oh, that was and, so uh, fun, man, mastering that. So cool to hear your, your Ramones uh, version of it. So cool. I was like, what the hell? I know this song too. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's it. And, and like, it, you know, as we got to know each other better, I realized how many projects that you got involved in. I mean, you know, you record, you master, you produce, you play guitar, you sing, yeah. you write songs, you make records, yeah. you tour. Uh, I mean, you know, I, you're play, I play drums too life. for the Chromantics, which is like fucking crazy learning drums at that age. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. <laughs> I love man, it. You can it's really push your body. You can really push your body. Like if you really want to, you push it, man, and it, it follows. But uh, yeah, man, well, like a lot, a lot of other production. I think I started like recording. Like for the first time was like uh, the real, real recordings were in '96. I would say when I was recording with Delta Six Six Six. But prior to that. I was recording on four tracks, all my projects, you know, I had bands with like, um, let's say, okay, you know, Gutter Demons from Montreal. Yeah, so absolutely. You know, hey, buds. So Flipper, um, he, me and Flipper, when we were like, what, 19, I think, or something like that, 18, 19, we had a band, we were doing covers of Meteors and Stray Cats and, and Del Shannon or whatever, all the shit that we knew from the 50s and 60s, you know, and then we were doing that, you know, so I know for a long time, but uh, those were four tracks recording and that doesn't exist anymore. And then I remember getting into Delta 666 eventually later on. And uh, that's when we started going to real studio and man, because the thing is that, okay, so that's like 96, 97, 
before that, let's say, well, let me see. Ninety-two. I think in ninety-two, ninety-three, I started cleaning Studio Victor. I was like, a, I was like a right. maid over there. Like I was like, just that was my job. I I got there at nine in the morning, and I could stay all day if I wanted in the studio. Okay, and I, my job was just to clean the fucking studio. So I went when there was no session, and I had a schedule. Like the next day, they told me like, okay, between this time and this time, you could clean the studio because there was like no session between man those studios were like so busy in those years man like uh from Celine Dion to Rock Within and like if you google those names Celine Dion and Rock Within uh Mitsu and all those like big stars from Quebec they were recording at that studio and um um so like that was the first time that I got really close to a big studio and I started doing little sessions for fun there Nothing came out really out of it. I was working with tape and then 97 came in. I recorded with Delta 666. And we went to a studio. We're not using tape anymore, reel to reel. Uh, technology was changing. We were using cassettes, like VHS cassettes. They're called uh, DATs or ADATs. The DATs, yeah, yeah. ADATs. Yeah. I, I used to have three yeah. of them linked and they never sync yes. properly when you have to rewind yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's fucking hell. Yeah, Anyways, man. So I, I, was, I was working in that technology. Uh, we recorded and then I remember like we were mixing and it was not good. And I remember telling the guy, uh, just let me, let me, let me do it. So like he pushed play and I started tweaking stuff. I never got credit of it, but I remember really like I enjoyed so much that I was like, this is the last time I let somebody record me and, and mix me. I, I'm like, I got good ears. I know how it works. I think I can do something with this. So then I started just getting more into this and understanding the technology till uh, I ended up joining Volker Deli. Oh, Volker with Uncle Deli. Costa. Yeah. Volker Costa, Deli. how super you doing, brother? Cool. Yeah, super cool. Hi, Costa. Super cool uh, band, man, like hardcore rock and roll. I remember like I was, okay, so Delta 666, we were playing, we did our recording, everything, blah, 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 shows one day, like, I think I didn't have a band anymore. I think I got kicked out of Delta 666. It wasn't it your band? <laughs> I know, I got kicked out of it. I'm like, why? Like, anyways. <laughs> so I'm walking in the street and then uh, Costa used to, used to have this loud ass band. I had like half a muffler, you know? <laughs> it's probably still back. like that. <laughs> and I hear them, like, that was that thing. And he's like, Hey, bro, how you doing? I'm like, oh, it's Costa. How you doing, man? Because I met him, you know, in the scene and like playing at the Jealous Rock Cafe. Remember that uh, bar? Um, Absolutely. I had Dom on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hi, Dom. That was super <laughs> fun, man. That, that was a, a good um, trampoline for a lot of bands. Like, it was a good stage. The sound was great. Uh, it smelled a lot like beers everywhere, so that means that it was party time all the time. So Absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, Rudolph, the Wonder Dog. Oh, dude, so many cool, cool uh, memories from that. But so I'm walking, uh, I'm walking in the street. Costa shows up. He's like, "Hey, uh, do you, I need like a, I need a, a guitarist to do solos for uh, Vulgar Daily." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." Because at that time, I think prior to that talk in the van a year before i was roadie for vulgar daily bro i'm about to freak to... you out no no i check this i'm about to freak you out i had a phone call one day to come visit and you were doing guitar tracks for vulgar deli in the studio i think jonathan cummings was there is that possible oh yeah 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 I'll and get because to that. I, I i had to drop in and see you for a second back then and uh, <laughs> how fucked up is that man you're talking That's about the story and i dropped in for a second yeah. i remember you yeah. you were playing with the amp getting your sound exactly yeah, the story yeah. you're talking about right now well, yeah yeah with J jonathan cummings that was like another thing too but yeah <laughs> so i got there at the vulgar deli so i was prior to that a year before i was like a uh, roadie uh, my job was to light up cigarettes for them and to check uh, that uh, they had their drinks and bring the gear in. But most of all, light cigarettes. Whole show. Light cigarettes. I had a <laughs> fucking bag just for the band. Trust me, Costa smokes a shitload and everybody smoked in that band. It was just crazy. 
So whatever, let's fucking do that shit. Fucking take a cigarette, take a cigarette. Thanks, <laughs> hey, cool. That was my job. And then uh, after that, he's like, "Hey, you want to play guitar?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I'll go. I'll try that." So we started start practicing. I was replacing Johnny Montreal. Um, uh, so Johnny Montreal became the first basis of the Brains too. That's uh, when to Franco Brain, who was the drummer of Vulgar Deli, at that point, <clears throat> he became to the drummer for the Brains originally. Right. Uh, Danny Duke was there too. We did. He did Ali Dukes, which I ended That's up right. playing yeah, songs yeah, for him on a tour. It was just it's all fan incest that exists in Montreal. <laughs> it's like <everybody laughs> yeah. with Nobody knows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nobody knows. It was cool, man. And I did, uh, so we did like the album uh, with uh, Jonathan Cummins, who was in um, the Doughboys. He had Bionic and Doughboys. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Bi yeah. Doughboys was, Bionic was fucking too. wicked. And Bionic was fucking tight, man. That thing yeah, was man. A, a wall of sound, man. Um, yeah. He was producing. I remember that too, that uh, he said, because uh, remember we were talking about like how distortion I was so loud in feedback all the time. So he's yeah, the yeah. one who showed me why it was like that so i ended up understanding that i was cranking way too much my preamp section and then the pedals on top of that were just like saturated so he's like just tone down everything i'm like it's gonna suck he's like no no just tone down i'm like it just sucks and the gretchen doesn't react the same way man and he's like yeah and but looking back he was right he was right about it he knew like more than me and i didn't know well, if, if you have a good if that. you have a good power section on some amps anywhere, like I had this uh, Ignator amp, which was the coolest because it had the uh, EL thirty fours and and oh, the, yeah. um, that, what what's the other ones there um, EL thirty fours and the six L sixes in the uh, power amp stage, right? So what I would do is turn down the preamps to about say three or uh, two or three between there, but max out the post the most rock and roll sound I ever had. I know I, I that's the that. thing, but it's so fucking loud though. Love that's it, yeah, I mean. Because <laughs> you're saturating, saturating just enough the tubes. So it just like doesn't like, you know, doesn't compress. It's just like saturating. But you're doing that on both stages, you know, the yeah, pre section and the post section. That's why it sounds amazing. Fuck yeah. But it's so fucking loud. That's why they invented the uh, the little cube that you put on top now, which lets you do that, but attenuates the sound. Going it's called a, a, the Variac. Yeah, that's really cool invention they did. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah but, that uh, was how Eddie Eddie Van Halen got his brown sound was by oh, using oh. that. That that was the secret. Oh, cool! Because yeah, he yeah. has such a mid tone, and it's all like saturation, really like nice harmonics. But it's you can see that it it wasn't crackling the speakers because that's yeah, what yeah. happens if you if you crack too much if you if you power your amp too loud you start cracking the speakers, which is cool too. <laughs> but you don't want to record that because it sounds like fart sometimes. And, you, and you know, like, like a, it in the uh, late 60s when they were just starting to get overdrive, they used to take razor blades and slice yeah. the speakers. Yeah, <laughs> just for it, did, it, did the zzz, it did the zzz sound. Yeah, yeah. Sound. I know exactly. I heard that with Jimi Hendrix. It's like, what the fuck are you guys thinking, man? Like, yeah, man. But so, hey, that, I think, yeah. List me some of, the, some of the bands that you've been working on, like producing wise, who, who you've been working with? Um, let's see who did I have done so far. Let's do backwards. So recent to oldest. All right. Uh, I just did. I just finished Root City Riot. Yeah, uh, man. Stomp Records out of Vancouver. Stomp Records. Scott. Yeah, and uh, I did that, and it was really fun. It took like five months, man. It was a long Shit. process because we did like from the beginning of they brought their demo songs. Okay, to me like with a beatbox sometimes and like whatever whatever they could add, just yeah. a click track and me uh, bringing it to the my little studio here behind me and doing some cuts on the song itself like explaining that maybe it needs like a little longer parts here because that's what you do as a producer like like your job is to take the songs and just try to make it a little more memorable you know because songs it's easy a song is just one melody basically but to make it more memorable, you need to create moods in it. And that's what the producer will do. Like you can have uh, an intro and an outro, a verse, but verse two wouldn't be the same. Even if it's the same note, you need to create the mood and choruses. Maybe the choruses you want to keep it nice, but then 
you know, uh, make the second course a little more, uh, you know, like exciting. So that's what I did. Uh, we, we kind of worked the songs. After, the, after we did that, we created some templates and we went to see Flavio Cirillo. And this is the drummer who worked, this is fucked up too. <laughs> so there's a plugin uh, called Easy Drum or uh, Easy Beats. No, is that no, the one? No, it's like huh? no, it's like a it's like a virtual drummer. And right, right, right. So, right, right. so Bob Rock, who did the Metallica album, the black one, mm -hmm. okay, he records in Vancouver. He has a studio here. That's right. Um, like, uh, there's a. So many great studios here in Vancouver. It's just amazing, man. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, Bob Rock has this thing which he, he did the Black Album of the Metallica. So, but he had a project with this company. I think again, I think it's called Easy Drum, Easy Drumming, or Easy Drum, and they sampled um, drum sounds for the for the uh, for the app. Okay, so the app, what it does is that you bring it to Pro Tools on a on a on a track when you don't have a drummer and you have already a beat per minute, so you know your beat, you know, your, and then uh, you just create some some drums so the drummer can go like like it's da, 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 you know or like whatever you want. But every sound you hear comes from a real drum, which is recorded somewhere in the world. So that um, they created a new kind of template or like a new uh, bundle, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so the drummer playing the samples and the drums like the drums were from somebody too somebody owns those drums so it's flavio the guy that i went to record for the new root city riot so he explains to me this and i'm like what you're like the guy who were in the samples of this thing he's like yeah i'm like oh man i've heard your sound he's like yeah and i mean all these recordings i'm like what so then I realized that the guy that I'm recording, and he's such a good drummer, man. That guy, he, I was like, well, they're a tight fucking band, eh? Yeah, we would say right, but that drummer, dude, like you could yeah, just right, tell dude. him this. You could tell him just like, can you go ta 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 tu 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 ta? And some for some people watching this right now, they're gonna be like, what the fucker did you just say? I totally get it. To a drummer. Or any musician, they would get it. They would get that it's like a snare, 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 tom, tom, you know, da, 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 do, 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 da, okay? Yeah. And so I was telling him, like, you know, talking drum language for, with him, and he was like, on the top, man, like, right away, this, 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 like, uh, like, can you go like a little much with like, and he did it right away. And he was so good. So that, that was the first part. Then um, we did that. We did the rest um, here, in my apartment, through uh, DIs, which uh, after uh, we used other stuff. Um, then we went to uh, another little studio, like uh, I rented for a couple of days. It was just one room and uh, it had a closet. <laughs> and so we just put some, some blankets in there, brought the mics, and then we recorded vocals in there. Um, we brought the brass, was a saxophone, Johnny from um, yeah, Johnny Mac, and then, yeah, <laughs> Mr. And, McCormick, uh, yeah, super cool. Absolutely, that guy is, he's a party animal. Oh, well, we had a lot of fun, man. He did a tour with us. <laughs> he he subbed in in our band for a whole cross Canadian tour there. We we had oh, a good yeah. old time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's cool. So we had him there. Uh, what else? We did some back vocals. Anything else like that? Then we finished some parts at. Uh, this uh, school here that's called Nimbus. And mm. uh, we did some parts over there too, some like cowbell. Yes, we had to put cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was cool with them. We just finished, uh, I just finished uh, the, the mixes. Um, it's all it's all sent now. They're like working on producing it. Prior to that, I did um, the latest, The Brain, Satana Tarantula, that I recorded in LA in my studio over there. And um, I had that in the uh, on the car ride after work today. I was blasting that. I, I played yeah. the entire album and then I played uh, Drunk Not Dead as well. Ooh. And uh, which is one, one of my, I gotta admit, one of my favorite albums that you guys have done, but the new one, the sound is fantastic on it. Yeah, it's and, different. 
Like I gotta tell the people out here, like one thing that I love about you is your guitar playing. I I always love your your, your guitar solos, very memorable, very in style. Like I always know it's you by the sound of how you play. I mean, I've had the chance to hear you play live lots and lots and lots of times. We went on tour together. (laughs) (laughs) I know why we're laughing too. Dude. I like that. So many fucking hotel room parties after the shows. (laughs) Nobody knows that that's what happened. God <laughs> I damn! I, know. <laughs> I think I'm still recovering. <laughs> oh god! I probably lost a lot of lot of age over there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah no, that that album set that tarantula was pretty cool. Like uh, when we did it in uh, LA, uh, the guys decided to to come by for like co- like a couple of weeks for uh, just recording, and we didn't even finish. Like, I don't think. Okay, first of all, we had some songs only. And we didn't have all lyrics at all. We just had songs. And they rented a um, a little uh, apartment over there. And we went to write extra songs or extra parts for the songs. Uh, it's the same thing that's what I wanted to explain just before as a producer, like you, it's exactly the same thing. Cause like I, I write in my Pro Tools, that's my, that's my studio program, okay? Mm-hmm. So I write in there and I use that same session to record the real thing on top of it. So if you go back in, in time on that same session, you can always find the demo behind every track hidden yeah. underneath, you know, it's, it's the same thing. So on that, I do production, you know, by, by myself with the guys next to me explaining, okay, we're gonna do this, 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 you know? So we did that. I've done that technique exactly the same before. And as a songwriter, like it, it's a great way to do it. it you know yeah. what I mean? You're, you, it's basically, you know, w- once you get your tempo in, you're good to go, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, you're just building up, building up as songwriting. Then, you know, you can mute it all and it, it, it's all there exactly. and built right on top of it. it it's a fantastic exactly. way to do it. I, it I love doing that. It, it works. It's like an extension of like, I don't know, like, it's really just put your, your idea right away in the computer and then from there you keep growing at the same time. Because like just doing a demo and then like, really again putting another mapping and opening it's it's cool too you know but i'm the guy doing the fucking thing so fuck it i'm just gonna be in, in it right away you know? well <laughs> so, you're on your you're on your time so, too right <laughs> yeah but that that was really fun because like we we did the the drums bass i did some guitar only and then i think we started touring again so i put it on pause a bit for like a month i think and then we ended up meeting in Prague. Yes, we met in Prague four, four days prior to start a tour because I was, uh, I was in LA playing uh, with Necromantics and stuff like that. And actually like I'm in the, the DVD, um, what's it called? Um, Darkhold. What's it called? The fucking, I did a DVD with the Necromantics. Yeah, terrible. I'm terrible with shit in general. <laughs> Damn it. but they're a wicked legendary band it's crazy because like i'm aware like uh, of the whole bat records as well uh, and all this right and then you're playing with the necromantics on drums which is just (laughs) mind-blowing yeah that is fucked up man like even like even for me i was like wow what the hell what is this thing well it's that whole concept of always saying yes right wait this is really bothering me let me find it uh But that, that must have been something going on. Oh, here, three like... decades of Darko. Damn it. Sorry, kid. <laughs> three decades. Three decades of Darko. That, that's <laughs> and uh, so I just did that thing because that's a DVD that uh, I'm playing the drums on live up to, like in a show. And then I recorded the audio of it in multi-track too with two machines in case one, one, um, one would bust break during the show the other one was still working and then they would have the time to rearrange the one that's fucked up to continue working in case the second one breaks you know because yeah. you never know what frequencies and low end rumble if sometimes computer are really sensitive they kind of sometimes they crash you know mm-hmm. and I, it, it's for a dvd we're doing that so two machines i recorded I mixed that thing sure. yeah so i mixed that at the little studio in la and did the mastering too came out in cleopatra records which is the same company that we are doing for my label that I have, which is Batcave Records. We did a, like a split uh, kind of ownership of this album from for Satana Tarantula. We're, we're owning it with Cleopatra and Batcave so we can promote oh, a, a cool little better for it. that, you know? Yeah, man. Um, 
But see, so we ended up in Prague and that was cool, man, to, to meet the guys um, after like so many months of not hanging out or playing music of the brains and then just getting back into the project again. So I brought my computer, a smallest uh, audio device to record some microphone or a guitar or anything inside if I needed to add extra stuff and a microphone for, for the vocals. And uh, we did all the lyrics over there in a balcony in Prague three four days and it was fun man that's really cool yeah. how do you feel about like you know because um okay this this is what i'm going through right now you know with covid and everything it's been hard to get together as a full band right now right and yeah. uh, we have we have to come out with this new album we start recording in april and for the first time ever like you know we don't have 14 or 16 songs all 100 percent prepared and you know rehearsed so i, I yeah. think there's i think a couple of songs i'm going to leave the lyrics on purpose off until the recording stage because I, I want to yeah. see how I feel having that deadline. You know, like yeah. it needs to be done now and get a bit of yeah. that into it. It really works to have like that pressure for, for lyrics. It kind of puts you to it because whenever you have like a year to write lyrics, you're like, ah, whatever. But it's better when you have everything, the whole song is ready. Like, I mean, you can have like an idea when you're writing a song. Let's say I'll uh, take what I want. Like, uh, like when I go, well, I'll take what I want. Well, no, no, no. I knew already that it needed to go like, you know, I had that, you know, I had that, you know, it's it, without the lyric, you can hear it. Like, so I was writing the song, but that, it works. So same thing for the town tarantula. And so when we, we did the lyrics and we finished the tour, I went back to, to LA and then I did all the vocals there. And since the guys were not there, uh, Colin and Guy to do back vocals, I told them, okay, you guys do some back vocals on all the songs. You don't need to do too many tracks, maybe four max, both together, figure out some stuff what you want to do. Send me that at least four tracks basically, so together. And uh, they went to a little studio. They sent me a picture. I'm gonna have to find, you have to find that picture. I'm gonna have to find it for you. You go to, you go on the Brains MTL. They said, they posted it, they're in studio. It's, Anyways, uh, and then after <laughs> that, uh, you have to see, you have to post it on the image if you can. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, in LA, meanwhile, I, uh, since I, I like uh, I did a label, uh, I have these bands that I'm working with and like uh, the Thirsty Crows are there too. Um, and Thirsty Crows, they're a pretty cool band, man. Good I can't guys. wait to hear it. And so they did, so they did like uh, back vocals and I invited uh, Daniel, from uh, Resurrects, who was there too. I invited uh, Frank from Necromantics, who was there too. So Crows, uh, Jack Cash was there from the Mismits, who, who we, we just released a video on Bad Cave Records recently. So he's there too, doing back vocals. Uh, it was fun, man. Like pops and like for rhythmic and gang vocals. So we all that was pre-COVID, you know, and it was weird mm -hmm. that we were like getting into that mood by working from far away. And I, I figured it out how to do it, you know, and, and it's funny because now everybody's using that technique nowadays, like they record at their home and then they, another guy in another place puts all the images together yeah. and they have these videos, you know. Like, we were uh, just talking about that because we did a couple of those as well. And it's yeah. just like, you know, it, it shows you how long COVID is because people got bored of that. Remember at the start, there was like, you know, what? 50 videos a day coming out like that yeah. but then slowly it went down now you're not seeing people do that much no, anymore it's like no. okay they all look the same we got it you know yeah, exactly but you see like how you work remotely that's what we did at that point and so it worked really really awesome so that was that and um, meanwhile i'm working into a lot of like different projects like i work for um i do mastering and um so mastering, okay, so let me explain something in mm -hmm. case some people want to know. There's a couple of terms here that I'm going to be using, okay, a little further. So I'm going to use producer. So that's the guy who takes care of listening to your songs, rearranging it uh, a little bit for you or telling you you're in the right direction, whatever it is, like a coach almost. So that's producer. Mixer, mixing engineer. It's a guy who, when you recorded everything, he mixes. So to make a drum sound really good, you need to actually have different faders. The faders are like which all the mics go in, which you can have a kick drum, a snare, overhead microphones and all that. So that's the mixing engineer. He's gonna like take care of doing a nice mix, okay? 
Then there's the, the recording engineer too, that just takes care, that knows physics, okay? So that he knows like, if I place this microphone here, it's gonna react this way. So then I will have to do this with this machine to keep the levels right for the machine to record it, okay? Whatever device you're using, tape, digital, whatever. That's the guy who does that. All right, so that's that. When all that is done, they send you that to a guy who does mastering, okay? The mastering, what it does is that since in studios you have these super nice speakers that you can hear everything, they're transparent, we call them. So that means that whatever you hear in the real room with your ears, like a cymbal sound, these speakers, if you use the right microphone, will reproduce what you hear in that room, okay? Precisely. So, the problem is with these speakers that they have in studios, they're so expensive that consumers like you and me, or when we're not in studios, we have devices like these ones or shitty speakers, you know? So if we would put those mixes straight from that studio, it would sound really dull. It would sound actually bassy and missing some treble and missing some kind of attitude like in, in the voice because humans are really prone to hear midsection high. That's why our voice is that frequency, you know? So uh, the mastering engineer is gonna take your, your tracks that are mixed already and tweak it a bit through compressors of frequencies and add some frequencies on it. So the speakers are shitty, <laughs> sound kind of okay. It's a <laughs> fucked up. Fuck a job, but well, that's it. it but do do try different speakers because I know sometimes when I go through it, I'll I'll put it in the car, I'll put it on a device, oh. I'll put it through no, the have, home stereo. Yeah, yeah. Well, these ones are All the, the big shitty ones, ones that you see. These ones are the big studio ones. The bottom here, the little ones here, the GBL. What are those? Are I can't like, see. Is, like that, is that a KRK or JBL? You said uh, these are KRK, the big ones. Yeah, and I have the same ones. ones. GB, J, JBL. They're like my shitty uh, speakers. That those ones, like I, I place everything when I do mastering and those ones, they tell me exactly that it's too bottomy or midsection, you know? And that's the problem. And a lot of like the speakers that you have at home, they don't handle good the mids and mid lows and low end. You know, you have a lot of good travel and mid high, you know, which is okay. Mm -hmm. So so because of that, sometimes your mixes, you need to be sure that they don't have too much travel, but just enough. And you have to tone down some bottom end, but at the same time, keep it at a certain range so it doesn't sound like you kind of don't have bass you know is it it's painous but it's worth it and it's it's more painous to make it for a vinyl master because that is not even the same thing as this well that's it this thing is another it's cool so because I you're think, talking about how engineers have to be physics it's because this is all science yeah it, it is really is science crazy shit and like so then there's another new job that appeared recently so that was like the studio, then you do mastering, okay? Then you deliver shit. But then it's called a remix. So, but the remix <laughs> is not a remix, what you think. You're, they don't give you all the tracks and you have like your 24 tracks or 150 tracks like rappers have nowadays or whatever <laughs> it's called these days of music. It's, it's actually, they give you like, let's say just the drums and stereo, just a bass, just guitars or vocals. Sometimes they even just give you like instrumental version and the vo voices. And then you right. can add extra stuff, you know? So you do that, that's like remixing. But on top of that, now there's another job because the mastering needs to fit in certain many devices, like again, showing this because it's another format nowadays. So in order to do a better mastering, they actually send you, they're called stem tracks. So they send you the, uh, the drums, the bass, the guitars, the vocals, all exactly the right setup. So if you do, you can just put your faders at normal and if you push play, it should sound like the song and then you can do mastering. And this helps a lot because let's say you wanna do a vinyl thing, you can actually tweak the bottom end of the bass itself and the drum instead of tweaking the whole mix bottom end because sometimes the guitar, you still wanna keep a little bit of bottom and then by gluing it together, so they do that. So the job got a lot more, more well, jobs. So it's it's, it's a whole other job. I mean, you know, as much yeah. as mastering is a job or mixing, yeah. I mean, same. It's a new job. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, an in-between job of two now, you know? And it's like, okay, well, whatever, I'll do that. So I do Man, a lot of that. How do you juggle time? 
how do you juggle you just time do when you're always on something right you just do it like i turn like i have to do some work after this i have to mm -hmm. turn i turn around and i'm gonna do uh, some uh, mastering again for for another artist on bad cave record called uh yeah, my name is jesso lantern so i gotta finish some stuff so i'm doing that um make finishing some campfire shit kicker it's a band from vancouver uh and i'm working with other bands like let's say here like i'm doing like um Rebel Priest is in there too. It's like a rock band. They, they're pretty nice. Cool. Um, Man, you got all I these played. bands you're working with right now. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, we're gonna have to, uh, you know, call it an end here in a second um, because I'm all running right, out right. of time in my recording space here. And uh, but what I did realize right away is we're gonna do this again real soon. We'll do a part two to it because I want. There's definitely more to get into. On oh that. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Be but before we leave, Renee. They, this is what we yes. started asking every guest, and this is season two. But of before the we leave, we have to take a puff at least. To oh yeah, there. absolutely. I'm all in, man. Well, my lighter just died. It's legal here. There we go. Weed is legal in Canada. That's right. Woohoo! Well, it's a celebration. We have business. to say it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I need to hear from you three albums that everybody should listen to at least once, and one guilty pleasure. What you got for me? Let's start with the guilty pleasure. Uh, I really like the album from Muse called Simulation Theory. I find oh. that that album has so much uh, dynamic in it and colors. And uh, I'm so impressed with the way that they did the, the, the work on that. I know there's a lot of money involved, but it sounds really good. Oh, that's cool. I'll check it uh, out. I don't know that one. Yeah, it's like, it has some a lot of synth, but it's, it's good. It sounds good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Check out, check out all the brains and necromantics. <laughs> there you go, the brains, necromantics, and <laughs> go check out Bad Cave Records. You're gonna see all the cool stuff in there, like you know. But I mean, like, just go check what I work to. If you Google my name, you can see like a lot of work that I do. Go check it out. You'll see that there's a lot of like similarities in like in the drum production and stuff like that. And they're all good bands that I've worked with. Sometimes what should, were very what should people uh, search for? Like, uh, should they look under the brains? Just Rene or de Rene? la Muerte, Rene de la Muerte Productions, or Rene de la Muerte, an engineer, or uh, I think there's even like a website that has like this all my albums. Like, I, I, sometimes I go there to see just like, what did I do already? <laughs> I see, like, <laughs> oh yeah, I did that. Yeah, like, okay, I remember that. But, That's uh, it. Yeah. My Most brother... important people, they need to fucking stay like safe these days. So. You know, Fuck yeah. keep listening to good music and stay in touch with your friends and help them if uh, if they need them in these dark times. So that's important. You know, that's it. Love you, brother. It's good to see yeah, your bro. face. Yeah, man. All right. We'll, so we'll let's talk do a real part soon. Dirt. Absolutely. I'm going to Take go stock easy. up on some more weed. Peace. All right. Peace. Boom. 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 Bo